morning. Ready to get some sleep? Somebody get some sleep? All right. Some sleep. Well, we're talking about forging friendships among men. That's what we're here for. And the first thing we need to think about with that is what is a man? We're talking about friendships among men. We've got to know what men are. What is a man and what are men for, right? What did God make men in particular to do? And what, what do we need to be in order to do that? So last night, that's what we talked about. We looked at Genesis chapter 1, where it says that God made man in his image. And he says, let them rule over the fish and over the birds and over the beasts and everything. And then he gave commands and directions to Adam, the man, let them be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over everything, right? So that is what men are for. We saw last night that form follows function, remember? And so literally the shape and makeup of your body teaches you something about what God made you to do. Form, right? flows out of your purpose. And this is very different from the purpose of women, as we saw last night. Now, God does make woman in his image. And we'll talk about that in our next session, actually. But as we're going to see, God makes Eve to help Adam in his work of conquering and ruling. That's what Eve is for. That's what woman is for. So again, man, God made men to conquer and to rule. Now, What do we have to be in order to do that work? We have to be godly. We have to be self-controlled. We have to be strong in body and mind and spirit. Okay? We can't do this work without being like that. And so, it's impossible to be any of that without help. So we need friends. We need friends. We can't do what God has called us to do unless we work on ourselves and have others work on us and by the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God become what men are made for. So brothers, you should have friends. You ought to have friends. What kind of words are should and ought? What are we talking about? Yeah. Moral duties. These, these are moral words. They assume a moral universe, okay? An ethical duty, an obligation. So I'm not telling you that, boy, wouldn't it be nice if you had friends? <laughs> That'd be nice, you know? It'd be nice to have a nice recliner. There's no moral obligation to have a nice recliner. You have several? That's your moral obligation to share, see? (laughs) It's not a moral obligation to have nice things that, boy, wouldn't that be nice. It is a moral obligation to have friends, okay? So I'm telling you, God made you a man, and God made men to need friends. And if you refuse to have friends, I'm not talking about hunting buddies, I'm not talking about dudes who hang out. I'm not talking about sports bros. 
I'm talking about friends. If you refuse to have friends, you are sinning against God's design. I'm convicted of this myself. Remember? I'm not the mathematician trying to teach you math. So I'm telling you that you cannot obey God as a man without having friends. True, faithful, loyal friends who will punch you when you need to be punched, who will encourage you when you need to be encouraged, will warn you when you need to be warned. And, of course, you need to be a friend like that to some of the men around you. So, we've talked about what is a man. Now, what is a friend? What is a friend? What do we mean by that? We start to think about the definition of a friend. It really becomes obvious that there are different types of friendship. And that's okay. All right? There are different types of friendship. I'm going to give you four categories of friends. And I got this from a book that I read um, called Buddy System by a guy named Jeffrey Grief. And it's a helpful way of remembering the categories of friends. Okay? He says, some friends are just friends. Just friends. Right? In other words, we all have friends that we like to chat with. We like to do something with, but they're really just acquaintances. You know, we see them. We might do something fun with them. We might hang out with them from time to time. We might, we'll talk in the foyer after church or whatever. Might be men at work. Might be, uh, you know, the, the parents of the kids on your baseball kids baseball team or whatever, you see them, you'll talk, even just men at church, but they're just friends. Does that make sense? Some friends, different category, are our old friends. Those are our rust friends. Now, rust doesn't necessarily mean bad, but they're old. You know, they're the old friends that you've had forever, guys you went to, went to high school with, guys you went to college with, guys you grew up with. Known them forever. Played on the same team. We're in youth group together. Went to seminary together. Whatever. These are our friends, right? But we don't really get together that often. We, we don't necessarily have deep conversations with them. Maybe they live across the country. But the thing about Rust friends is um, they're still our friends. And you can go for a long time, right? Without even thinking about them or talking to them. But once when you do get together, it's like, Pick up where you left off. Everything's, you know, it's easy. And those can be really good friends. But that's another category. All right? So you've got just friends. You've got rust friends. Then you've got trust friends. Trust. Trust friends are the men you can trust. You can tell them things about yourself. You can tell them about your struggles, your problems, what's going on in your life and your family. Think about the prayer requests that you share with one another. I'm, I'm assuming something here, right? I'm assuming that you share prayer requests with one another that's, that are more significant than skimming across the details, the surface details of your life. There must be a level of trust if you're going to pray about significant issues, Right? right? Okay. So think about it. When you can share some pretty gnarly stuff with other men when you're asking them to pray for you. But that does that necessarily mean that you're now best friends? Not really. Not necessarily. You can have a category of friends that you really do genuinely trust, 
but they're still not your closest friends. Okay? So you've got just friends, rust friends, trust friends. And the last court category, of course, is must friends. Must friends. Must friends are your closest friends. They're your essential friends. You must have that man in order for you to thrive. You need to see this guy. If he left or died, you would miss him sorely. Not a take it or leave it friend, right? You get, this is your, your, your must friend. So think about the men in your life. Think about like concentric circles, you know, like on a target. So you've got lots of just friends, probably, or you can, you know, the guys out there on the edges. You've got fewer rust friends, those old friends, and they might be your must friends too, but you've got this category of like these guys you've known forever, and you've got fewer trust friends, and you may or may not have any must friends. All the stats say we don't, right? But those are the most important kind. Now, is it wrong to have these different levels of friendship? Is there something disingenuous? Is there something, is that a failure? If all the men in your life aren't must friends, can you imagine what that would be like? So remember, Jesus had different levels of friendship in his time on earth, right? You've got all these crowds of followers, and then you've got his 12 disciples, right? He would take them aside, work with them, travel with them. Then you've got, of the 12, you've got the three, Peter, James, and John. And then you've got who? John the disciple whom Jesus loved, who found it not odd at all to lay down on top of him at the Last Supper, you know, to lean on his, on his chest. The disciple whom Jesus loved. That's what John calls himself in the Gospel of John. And so let's not be more spiritual than Jesus. Good luck with that. Every friend can't be your best friend. Your must friend. We aren't wired that way. I believe that we need some must friends, but we cannot handle the intensity of 12 must friends. We probably can't handle the intensity of three. So, ask yourself the question, do I have any must friends? you have any men like that? We must have some must friends. We must have some friends who will actually help us. Why do we need friends like that? Remember the passages we looked at at the end of our time last night. Remember what Ecclesiastes says. Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. So what kind of friend is this? What happens if we don't have friends like this? According to Ecclesiastes, what happens? You fall down, what happens? You can't get up. You're attacked, what happens? can't protect yourself. That's what, that's the kind of friend we need. Job 6.14 says this, for the despairing man 
there should be kindness from his friend so that he does not forsake the fear of the Almighty. For the despairing man, there should be kindness from his friend so that he doesn't forsake the fear of God. This is what we need. Friends who will come to us, who of course we trust, but who who love us enough right, to chase us, to strengthen us, to help us. Our friendships have to be like that. Some of our friendships have to be like that. Remember Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens. Who, you can ask this both directions, whose burdens are you helping to bear? Who's bearing your burdens? Anybody? Your wife? We'll talk about that next. Remember the Hebrews passages that are like intense? See to it that there's not in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of us will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There's a real danger there, isn't there, of being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If you think, oh, no, that's, psh, that's not me, then you have no clue. You don't know yourself. You need men whose job it is, who have taken it on themselves, as their job is to make sure you, you, don't have an evil, unbelieving heart. And you're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You don't, you, you, you can't see yourself. The, the definition of a blind spot, you know, is what? Well, you don't know that you have it. It's a blind spot. We all have blind spots. And you see one another's blind spots, don't you? Hmm? Do you see one another's blind spots? You men who know each other? Do you love them enough to say, my dear brother, we need to talk? No, someone else, you know, that would be weird. You know? That'd be awkward. Might lose him as a friend. You know, that's the pastor's job. I'm sure the pastor knows what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure the pastor knows. that. That's it. Uh, it's the pastor's job. I'll just, you know, pretend I see nothing. And I'll let him go to hell. I'll let him ruin his family, his children. Remember the Hebrews 10 passage. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you say, the day drawing near. Why? Because it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's what he says. So, brothers, as I said last night, we really need friends like this, friends who will lift us up, friends who will strengthen us for our work, friends who will bear our burdens, friends who will encourage us, watch over our souls, take ownership of us, keep us from being hardened by sin's deceitfulness, friends who will stir us up. Think about that language, stir us up to love and good deeds. What does that look like? 
And I know, I know, he's, he's my buddy, and I know he's really having a hard time, and boy, he just seems like he's just kind of losing momentum, you know? He's starting to kind of drift, and boy, I, I hope somehow he comes out of that. That's a failure, right? Complete failure. Your job, my job, our job, is to stir one another up to love and good deeds. We need friends like that. Friends who know us. Friends who know our weaknesses and our sins. Friends who know the temptations that we struggle with. Friends who know our patterns. You know, we have patterns, right? Something happens. Okay, I know this man enough to know what's going to happen next. Some kind of disappointment, some kind of, you know, something has happened. Maybe it's the time of year, you know. It's winter in Wisconsin. I know what's going to happen with this guy. You know what I'm saying? And I love him enough to pursue him. He's going on a business trip. I know this guy. Am I going to let him just go and hope for the best, or am I going to pursue him? Am I going to challenge him? Am I going to encourage him? Am I going to strengthen him? Am I going to call him every day when he's gone? Because I know his temptations. We need friends like that. You need friends like that. Who have men who do that for you. Who who love us enough to tell us the truth. Who, Who love us enough not to let us go our own way. You know you need that. If you think you don't, you do not know yourself. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, yes. Absolutely you are. We not only need friends like that, we need to be friends like that. So what does that look like? Well, Proverbs, book of Proverbs, filled with gold when it comes to what this friend looks like. I'm just going to read several of these. You can listen, we'll talk about them. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. Just think about that. All times. And a brother is born for adversity. So it's the hard times, especially when a, when a true friend, it's like, my brother's going through a hard time. I was born for this. <laughs> That's what he says. I was born for this moment to help my brother. It's what I was made for. You know, it's not optional. There's no question as to whether I'll help. I was born for this. Think of Job's friends. Now, you can think about Job's friends in two different ways. (laughs) You know? What happens later with Job and his friends is they just run off with the mouth and do not help him at all. Remember this? They don't help him at all. But at the beginning, remember what they do? They come. Let me just read this. This is Job 2. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, they came each one from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, and they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and to comfort him. 
And when they lifted up their eyes at a distance and did not recognize him, they raised their voices and wept. And each of them tore his robe, and they threw dust over their heads toward the sky. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw that his pain was very great. Sometimes that's exactly the thing to do. You know, just go and sit there. There's, there's comfort for Job simply because they're there. Proverbs 18.24 A man of too many friends comes to ruin. That's interesting. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Right? Loyalty. Loyalty that's thicker than blood. Water is thicker than blood. Do you know what I mean by that? What water am I talking about? No. Baptism. We are brothers. And that bond is thicker, is more intense, more permanent, more fundamental even than your brother, your, your blood brother. That's what Jesus says many times. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Think about your relationships, okay? Are you a, are you a, are you a Judas kisser? You know what I'm saying? Or just, you see the problem, you see what this man needs, but you will not dare tell him that you know and that you see it and you're concerned. You'll flatter him. You're worried about what he might think of you if you intrude. And so you just say nice things. You are now his enemy. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. This is what I mean by punching you in the face. We need friends who will, what? Will wound us. If you think, no, 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 you don't understand. My, the definition of friendship is that my friend will never wound me. <laughs> yeah, you, again, that's not, a, that's not a friend worth having. And if you think, if my friend does that, then I'm done with him, what does that say about you? Proverbs 27, 9 and 10. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. What do you think I should do? Well, here, let me, let me tell you what I think you should do. Or, <laughs> I know you didn't ask me, but I'm going to tell you what I think you should do. <laughs> a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. It goes on, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother far away. Be there for your friends. Give them counsel, even if they don't ask for it. And if you giving them counsel breaks the friendship, well, you did what you could. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. 
You guys have sharpened things, right? You don't sharpen a blade with a sponge. You don't sharpen things with soft things. You sharpen one hard thing with another hard thing. And when you do, sparks fly. Right? That's just the way it is. It's not smooth. It's not easy. Sometimes it's rough. That's what friends are for. One man sharpens another. Think of the Psalms. David, it's fascinating. David sings of the need for for trustworthiness and loyalty and friendship. This is one of the things he sings about in the Psalms. So Psalm 15. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. This is like the definition of godliness. He's loyal to his friends. In whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. David also sings of the pain of lost friendship, the pain of betrayal. That is actually a foreshadowing of Jesus' own pain at the betrayal of Judas, right? Psalm 41, 9, he says, Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Have any of you ever had that happen to you? man who you thought and was truly your, your good, good friend, and he turns against you. Have you been close enough to anyone to have that happen to you? Psalm 55, he says, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. You know, my enemies can say whatever they want. I don't care. Nor is it one who hates me who has exalted, exalted himself against me. Then I could hide myself from him. But it is you, a man my equal, my companion, and my familiar friend. We who had sweet fellowship together walked in the house of God in the throng. You need to have friends that are close enough that it genuinely, genuinely hurts when they turn against you. And they will turn against you. Sometimes that will happen. If that has happened to you, and therefore you say, I've had enough of that, wrong, wrong response. So do you see what true friendship requires? Requires companionship, you know, being together. You've got to spend time together. Aristotle said, to be a friend to someone, you must eat a sack of salt together. <laughs> Don't worry. He doesn't mean all at once. <laughs> it's this long companionship where you're eating meals together. You know, a little bit of little pinch here, a little pinch there. And over time, you've eaten a sack of salt together. Gone through life together. Working together. Suffering together. Friendship requires companionship. It requires commonality, a common goal, a common objective, a common way of life. Friendship requires trust and loyalty. Friends have each other's back. Friendship requires mutual honor and respect. Think about that. Friends find something attractive 
in one another. There are people in your church that are perfectly good men, you know, but you just can't see yourself being friends with them, and that's all right. But there are other men that you see them and you think, that man is honest. I like that. That man is hardworking. That man is faithful to his wife. I could learn from him. That man is humble. That man knows something. That man is godly. There are these character qualities that draw our hearts together. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not just that we go fishing together. This is a good man. Friendship requires affection. Affection. Love. As I said last night, if you think that love between men is gay or unmanly, then you have no clue what either love or manhood are. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14. Just listen to this. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. You think manliness and love are incompatible? Love is manly. Deeply so. Again, this manly affection and love has been ruined for us by the sodomites. Don't let the perverts pervert God's good gift of manly love. Don't forget how the manliest of men, the Apostle Paul, related to his dear brothers and friends. In Acts chapter 20, we have this account of the Apostle Paul. We're going to come back to this in our last session tonight. But we have this account of the Apostle Paul traveling through. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's coming through past Ephesus, where he'd planted a church and spent three years and, and almost died in the ministry, for the sake of the ministry, working alongside these men. And he comes through and he says, I'll never see your face again. I'll never see you again. Right? And he gives him his last words and his directions. It says this in Acts 20, verse 36 to 38. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. These are the elders of the church. And they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul. And what? Repeatedly, what? Kissed him. Grieving especially over the word which he had spoken that they would not see his face again. These men were his band of brothers. They loved him. Now, Proverbs tells us not only what a true friend is, it also tells us how to lose our friends. <laughs> That's good to know. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse man spreads strife, and a slanderer separates intimate friends. You ever lost a friend like that? Have you been the, the slanderer? Say things about a man behind his back that he thought he was your friend, but now you're turning on him. Now you're... You know, slipping in the knife. Proverbs 17, 9. He who conceals a transgression seeks love, right? But he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Proverbs 27, 14. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning. 
it'll be reckoned a curse to him. Now, what in the world is that? He who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it'll be reckoned a curse for him. So, you know, don't call early in the morning. Really what this is about is, I think, this glib. You know what glib means? Like, oh, everything's great. Everything's, oh, everything's wonderful. You know, my, my wife just had a miscarriage. Oh, praise God. It's okay. That baby is going to be in heaven. And, well, you'll just have to keep trying. Is that the friend you want? Don't be like that. One last thing. We've seen that having good friends is essential to your well-being, right? That's what I'm trying to, trying to say. Having the right friends can save your life. The opposite is also true. Having the wrong friends can kill you. Looking at you young guys here. This is a lesson you need to learn. Having the wrong friends can kill you. That's how important friends are. That's how powerful friends actually are. They can save you or they can damn you. Right? Proverbs 22, 24 and 25. Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. Why? Or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. The friends that you have really shape your life for the better or for worse. Proverbs 13.20, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Friends rub off on you. The Apostle Paul says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's true. Be very careful about the friends you choose. And I especially think of you young guys. Formative time of life. You better be careful the friends you, you choose and you cultivate. So brothers, you need good friends, godly friends, faithful and loyal friends. Now some of you are thinking, I don't need any friends like that. Then you're just a fool. That's all. Blind to your sins, your weaknesses, blind to your hardness of heart probably in the grips of sin's deceitfulness, you're on the brink of falling away. You, you know what friends would do for you, and you don't want that because you're happy nurturing your secret sins. You don't want friends meddling with you. Are you kidding me? And you make it a principle to soothe your conscience. Okay, I see the need. But I don't have any friends like that. Woe is me. Nobody wants to be my friend. I'm the victim here. Nobody wants to be my friend. Well, if you don't have any friends like that, then what's the answer? Yeah. Be a friend like that, for pity's sake. And if you don't have any friends like that, then consider that the problem might very well be you. Are you the kind of man that a good man would want for a friend? Think about that. Are you the kind of man that a good man would want for a friend? It's kind of like young men who want to get married, you know? Are you the kind of man that a good woman would want? That's step one. <laughs> okay. 
be the, be the kind of man that a good man would want for a friend. Are you an angry man? Proverbs says, don't be friends with an angry man. Are you an angry man? Are you a fool? Are you a slanderer and a gossip? Are you divisive? No good man in their right, man, in their right mind would want to be your friend. It's not their problem, it's your problem. So, look around you. Like, really, look around you. God has connected you with good and godly men in this room. God put you here. You're not here by accident. Now you need to get to work and forge friendships with these men. Sorry. This thing's dangerous. (laughs) These men. Here's where you start. Not with all of them, but think hard about which one or two or maybe even three or four that you can bond with in a band of brothers. Not just buddies, not just men who happen to chat in the foyer after church, men who have your back. Now, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, how to build your band of brothers. Okay. There's one more rabbit trail we're going to take, sort of a rabbit trail. We're going to take that in the next hour. So I'll see you then. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us. We need your help. We are, as you well know, proud, insecure, often foolish men who don't want to be told where we're wrong, don't want to be seen as weak, and so we isolate ourselves and we we suffer for it. Our families suffer for it. And so, Father, help us, we pray, by your Holy Spirit, Help us to do what we need to do. We, we hope in you. You, Lord Jesus, are the friend of sinners. So please help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.